Welcome to Hip Hop Movie Club, where three old heads put their old heads together to vibe on some of the most memorable or forgettable hip hop themed movies of all time. And here's HHMC with your HHMCs, Boogie, JB, and Dino Wright. Season 4, Episode 2, Juice. Written by Ernest Dickerson and Gerard Brown. Directed by Ernest Dickerson and produced by David Hyman, Neil Moritz, and Peter Frankfurt. Released in 1991 and featuring Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur, Jermaine Hopkins, and Khalil Kane. We'll answer the question, how far will Bishop go to get the juice? Juice is a 1992 crime drama which depicts the trials of four young friends in New York City who spend their days skipping school, hanging out, and shoplifting amid the street scene. Q has aspirations to become a professional DJ, but the leader of their crew, Bishop, convinces them to rob a corner store and split the money. Raheem and Steele are on board with the plan, but Q is reluctant as he has a DJ competition that night. Bishop sees that as the perfect alibi for his plan. Q impresses at the competition, but feels obligated to partake in the robbery. Things take a tragic turn. Bishop turns heel and leaves mass destruction in his wake. So, Boogie, want to kick us off as what were your overall thoughts about the classic Juice? Yeah, Juice is one of my favorite movies. I tell people that all the time. I mean, it. I love the, the storyline, the backdrop of New York City shot in Harlem. It's clearly, it's really clear that you can see that it's authentically New York just from the landscape and the hilly uh, landscape of where they're walking at. But no, nah, this is a great movie. It, it's it's one of those inner city movies that gives you a nice in-depth perspective of what it's like to live in, in the city at that time, specifically the New York area, the Northeast. Um, we have a group of a crew. They're really tight knit. Um, they hang out all the time, you know, from doing little little silly things like cutting school to hanging out at you know each other's houses when the parents aren't home to you know whatever. But there's always that underlying grip of of crime that's in the area and how to make a quick come up. And they they have a plot that that they're going to use to to make some quick cash, but it all it all goes left really quick. So. It just shows you how even if you have something that seems like an innocent plan to make quick cash, things can go left real quick and friends become enemies real quick when there's money involved or in this case, quote unquote, juice and respect. And there's always a power struggle that's going on that is very apparent in the the movie. But yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, it's entertaining to, to me. I, I watch it all the time. Anytime I see it on, I always watch it, no matter what scene it's on. But yeah, I, I love the movie. <laughs> I loved it. I had not seen it. I've seen bits and clips, but I hadn't seen it before watching it. And it, it just took me back to the early 90s. And I love the, like you said, Boogie, the, it's like the juxtaposition of the New York City, the bust, hustle and bustle of New York City, the street life, and the early hip hop. Even the intro, the introductory scene just pulls you in right away. You have the the Juice No Ledge song 
uh, by Eric B. Rakim with the bustling traffic and the DJing. There's a lot of the nostalgia in here as well. You see uh, scenes where they're playing Street Fighter and they're at the Billiards Hall, which was popular back then. And cameos from a lot of early 90s hip hop stars like Special Ed, Eric Sermon from EPMD. Queen Latifah had a nice little role there and Fab Five Freddy, et cetera. So the hip hop culture was was really prominent on the silver screen pretty much for the first time. Like this is the what I look like at kind of the golden age of hip hop, you know, really coming to the masses. And we got to see it. And obviously Tupac, once again, scene stealer, just does an amazing job in his role as Bishop. Uh, Donna Wright, you have some early impressions on the film? Yeah, I really enjoyed this too. I like that there was an actual hip hop connection to this. Like the part of the storyline was Q's DJ competition. And I thought, even though this is like early 90s, it's it called back to some of the older movies that we saw, like Beat Street and Wild Style. Like Q's room looked like Double K's room. <laughs> I, I, I want to do like a side by side and see just how similar they were. You know, I, I noticed like Five Five Freddy was in this movie, Ed Lover, and the other Dr. Dre was in this movie, Orange Juice Jones. So his name is Juice, and he's in the movie Juice. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then at, at the end, of course, uh, they 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 say the word Juice at the, at the end of the movie, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed this for the hip hop and the story. I mean, I was riveted. I watched this and. I didn't know what was going to happen next. And Tupac really, really does a phenomenal job in his acting here. So multi-talented. Yeah. Like, yeah, his full on display, his acting skills were on full on display in this movie. I mean, in Poetic Justice, she was like, all right, you know, he's good. He's good. But this movie here, you know, even above the rim, you're like, all right, he was good and above the rim. But this movie right here, really put his acting skills on the forefront. Like he he showed that he has it. Well he had it. Unfortunately his life was cut short, but he he had it. He definitely had it. Because he made you really not like him. Like you 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 wanna you wanted to hate him. <laughs> yeah. Like really, really bad. Like even more so than in above the rim. <laughs> you wanted to hate him, but you couldn't stop watching him. Like right. It's almost like an anti-hero kind of you, you just kind of yeah. you kind of root for him by rooting against him. It was really well done. And few people can pull this off. And he did it seemed yeah. like it was easy to him. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, like anti-hero, because you know that he's a jerk, but at, but at the same time, because of the dynamics between him and the crew, you're hoping that he has a change of heart and you know, him and Q can reconcile and find a way to and what's you know what's going on, but you know, unfortunately, it doesn't go that way. But yeah, it was a great movie, man. Definitely, definitely one I watch all the time. Like I said, the cameos, you know, yeah, hip hop in the '90s was on full display. Even like R and B, Cindy Haran from En Vogue was Yolanda. <laughs> you know, that stretch was in Rider Master's Crew. DJ Red Alert was in here as well. Orange Juice Jones said Snappy Nappy Dug Out. His name always <laughs> his name always makes me laugh. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Yeah. As you mentioned, this this was an Ernest Dickerson 
directed by him. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was his directorial debut, but he directed it and he did the screenplay and the story. Whereas if you remember when we did Do the Right Thing, he was the cinematographer for Do the Right Thing in, in many of Spike Lee's early movies. So this was a leap for him and, and he just did an outstanding job. What I really loved is like the character development so early on, they introduced them as children and they he introduces them right away, the first scene. Uh, how they're getting woken up in the morning and you see just from that little small clip of them you see q's room was smaller filled with hip-hop steel and his brother had the bunk beds and the cartoonish bedspreads and raheem gets up on his own he shares the bathroom with his sister and obviously bishop gets up on his own and he first addresses his grandmother and then his dad who seems to be in like some sort of catatonic state or traumatized so there's some issues that he has whether it's PTSD or or drug related, we don't know. We never find out. But he puts money in his shirt pocket, so you can see their different upbringings and kind of that how that shapes them going forward as part of the group dynamic in the crew. Right, absolutely. That was masterful the way he just did that in just those short scenes. Yeah, yeah, good takeaway because that's that's definitely um, the first thing you do. You notice is yeah, each one of them's place and how they. The family and yeah, like you said, family dynamics and how it affects how they, they interact with one another as well. Their character and personalities are shown right there in those little snippets. Yeah, absolutely. As you see, a bishop obviously had to grow up a lot more quickly than these other guys. He had yeah. a very non-traditional upbringing. It looks like the grandmother may have raised him, and he's helping to be a caretaker for his father. The mother's not seemingly in the picture. Um, and you see Steele is kind of a little bit babied. He's the, uh, he's a little bit more heavy set one. And you can see later on where he gets very emotional with, with all the, 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 tra- you know, tra- traumatic experiences and stuff like that. And Q is kind of sta- trying to stay on the straight and narrow, just kind of with the hip hop. So yeah, there was a lot of early character development, which was, which is great. Yeah. This, this was his first feature film, Ernest Dickerson. Uh, okay, he, great. He did an episode yeah. of great performances and then, and went from there to juice. I'm not bad. <laughs> yeah, not a bad jump at all. Yeah, so so these guys obviously like they're trying to find their way. They're 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 skipping school quite a bit. The um the, the scene where where they uh they're caught shoplifting or well they actually weren't caught, but it was funny when Q was <laughs> <laughs> flirting with flirting with the store clerk there. And, and then uh, still hides the the records underneath his newspaper. Yeah, that was kind of funny. He was admiring her grill. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was big back then. The the one tooth with like the oh, diamond or the gem. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there was that other crazy scene. I was talking to Dinah Wright the other day about this real briefly when we were we were about to meet up. Uh, that stick up scene with that guy Blizzard. So Blizzard is uh, just another. You know, neighborhood thug. He had just gotten out of prison. He's on parole. And um, Q had gone into this little dive bar pub just to get, I think, to get cigarettes or something. Mm-hmm. And he bumps into this guy, Blizzard. And, and they're mm-hmm. chatting like, how's your crew? Oh, they're outside. We're good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm just out on parole. Yeah, I'm taking care of myself. And very casually, he's like, I'm about to stick up this place. You want in on this, Q? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Did he just say that? And Q's like, no, I'm good i'm good and he kind of just runs out and then blizzard kind of goes off saying everybody strip down (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, Q comes out, tells him what happens. And that's where you start to see Bishop, uh -huh. the wheels in motion in his head. Like, wait a second. This guy was about to rob this place, get all this money. And he offered you a piece of that. And you said, no, he said, no, I don't want no part of that. No, I don't want no part of that. And uh, Raheem and him got into a little bit. And then you see the wheel spin. And then they spin even more when um, Bishop was watching that James Cagney movie. And he's like, all right, this is this is the life I want to live. This is it. I'm tired of running away from the cops. You know, I'm tired of running away from Ramadas's crew, tired of running away from everything. And we got to get the juice. You know, we, we got to be the, yeah. the MFers in town. <laughs> yeah. Even even when that when they announced on the news that Blizzard got killed in that attempted robbery. And, and Bishop saying, you know what? We should have been here to back him up. It wouldn't have went down like that if we if we were there. If we were there, it would have never happened like that. And Raheem was like, man, listen, if we were all there, we'd all be dead. <laughs> exactly. I, I was shocked that when it came on the news that Blitterstuck was seen, he was shot and killed. And I would think that would be a lesson learned. Like, wait a second. You don't want anywhere parts of that. But Bishop was intrigued by it. Like, yeah, yeah. we would have got away with we would We would have made out some money. Blizzard's yeah. kind of propositioning Q was like so casual, like it's like you want to stick a gum? Like, I'm about to stick up this place. You, you want some gum? But so like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Poor EPMD was at the bar, like, what again? <laughs> <laughs> and that was Eric Serban was in that scene. He was sitting yeah, at the bar. Them, still. Both of them were there. Yeah. Yeah. They were yeah. both there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, him, him and Parrish. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the James Cagney movie, which, by the way, is one of the great gangster films of all time. White Absolutely. It, it shows up in a lot of different places. Yeah. Yeah. It's a popular one. <laughs> yeah. But how about Q played by Omar Epps? I mean, he was very charismatic. This is one of his bigger early roles. And I read that he learned to how to scratch records for this movie. And he just dominated on this competition that he had on the DJ competition where Queen Latifah was the judge. That was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, Queen Latifah, yeah. She was the, the judge and had a quick cameo with Flex <laughs> trying to get in, trying to audition for the for the competition and got rejected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they those DJ concerts were pretty prominent back then. They still are, though. Now they're actually international now. Like, global <laughs> it's, it was set up almost like the dmc competitions from back in the day but yeah I, lo I love that that sequence that q uses on that um the competition that pumped me up i actually do that a lot <laughs> i love that sequence yeah so it all culminates and where the turning point is is where q has a dj competition that he's been practicing for and meanwhile bishop hatches the plan to rob the neighborhood store owned by a gentleman named Quiles. And they would go in that store. They know him, but that's, they want to rob that store. They know he has a lot of money there and they would get away with it because he's a little bit elderly and slower. Right. So he hatches a plan. They're supposed to meet at the basketball court that night though. Again, Q has the competition there. So Q is not fully on board on it, but he goes, meets up with them. They're about to leave for the meeting and, they have the plan in place. So Bishop sees that as the alibi, that they would go to that competition early on and everybody would see them there. 
and realized that, you know, they couldn't have possibly been the ones that stuck up the, the store and all heck breaks loose. <laughs> yeah. To put it mildly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the, that the DJing, he does well. And then, you know, he's staring out at them and he's they're like, all right, you guys come with us. So he was influenced, peer pressure to, to follow up on that plan. They stick up Quillis. They get the money and they could have left, but something, for lack of a better term, triggered Bishop. He he shot, ended up shooting Quillis in the head and, and killing him. They book out of there. You know, they wait for the cops to, to kind of clear way. They, they run and then they leave and they're in an abandoned house. And then arguments ensue, obviously, like, why would you have to kill him and everything? Bishop and Rahim are kind of struggling for the gun. That gun becomes kind of like a source of power, like whoever has that kind of has the juice, so to speak, or the power. And in that power struggle for the gun, Bishop ends up killing Rahim. And Steele is very traumatized by it, crying. And Bishop's kind of telling him, shut up and everything like that. And everybody becomes afraid of Bishop, obviously, because he, he uh, is a loose cannon and they don't know what who else he might hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bishop's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, you it was always a bit of a, a a power struggle between Bishop and Raheem, where Bishop was, hey, was, was kind of reckless and wanted to, you know, be, he was very reckless and impulsive. Whereas Raheem was very thoughtful and let's think this out. Let's make sure that we're doing this, what's best for the crew. There's no individuals out of this group. It's all the crew. It's about the crew. What's going to make the crew better? You know, the crew, if one member of the crew, you know, fails, we, we got to all be there for that member. You know, he saw that Bishop was, you know, shot Quillis for no reason, for no apparent reason. He reacted. Bishop was unfortunately the one with the gun in his hand, whereas Raheem wouldn't have shot Bishop. <laughs> but Bishop took it as an opportunity to get rid of Raheem, threatening to do the same to the other two if they said anything. You get to see how unraveled Bishop was because Bishop had the audacity to show up at Raheem's memorial services and repass at his mother's house, hugging and kissing on, you know, family members and acting as if, you know, he knew nothing was had happened. That's where you get to see how crazy, like how good an actor Tupac Shakur was, because the way he was able to 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 play those scenes, as if something was really not right up top with him, it was just genius acting. It, it was like a masterclass right there. <laughs> because- yeah, that was a chilling scene. That was one of the most cold-hearted things I've seen on the screen. Is when Bishop yeah. was consoling Raheem's sister and mother at yeah. his funeral service and saying oh, he was my best friend we grew up like yeah. it's messed up that this happened i mean that that was cold-hearted yeah and, <laughs> and then staring at q like yeah say something you better not say anything <laughs> and then how about that scene when he shows up at the school and harasses q at school <laughs> yeah that locker scene was intense where he just pops yeah. up from behind him like all right <laughs> It's cold as ice. Yeah. Especially at the at the memorial. He's acting an actor acting like he's acting. Right. <laughs> Layers to it. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you know what happens is they get interrogated 
by detectives and police due to the murder of both Quilis and Rahim. And Bishop is really cool under pressure. You yeah. know, he's he's got no couth. He's just stone-faced and kind of joking around. And you see their personalities as each one of them is interrogated. And Rahim, like you said, is very level-headed and trying to keep it factual. And Steele's just bawling his eyes out because it's he can't handle it. And then, uh, you know, I think it, Bishop kind of implicated Ramadas. And then Ra- Ramadas, head of the Puerto Rican gang, he approached Bishop saying, you know, I, you accused me of, you know, telling the cops that I killed Rahim and Quilius. What's that all about? And obviously that builds up tension between them. So Bishop is confronted by Ramadas. And earlier in the movie, one of the very early scenes, that crew, Ramadas's crew was attacking Bishop and, you know, Steel and and I think it was Steel and Rahim, yeah. maybe Q. They saw him. They as soon as uh, Bishop saw he had backup, he started talking back, and you know he had backup. Now after everything's transpired, they come upon him again. This time it was just Steel and Q, obviously. But they kind of back away. They don't support him because mm-hmm. they know that he's evil. Yeah, they moonwalk right um, around there. <laughs> yeah. Cops come and, and Bishop ends up killing Ramadus. And then, you know, everybody's trying to escape from the terror of Bishop. So you have Steele and Q kind of watching their P's and Q's, looking over their shoulder. Poor Steele kind of is found by Bishop in the stairwell. You know, Bishop takes him outside. He ends up shooting him. Prior to that, Steele had called Q from a payphone at the billiards hall saying, you got to come here and, and kind of Bishop overhears it. And he's like, what's going on here? That's when he uh, kind of flipped, shot him, but he did survive. And as he's in the hospital, Yolanda's there working at the hospital. Uh, he still has his wits about him to under- say that, listen, Bishop's out there attacking us. He's trying to frame Q leading up to that final struggle between Q and, and Bishop. Yeah. And Q, and you can even see the character of Q because he initially went down to get an illegal gun. Yes. To save himself. And, you know, the, the woman who was selling the guns was actually a friend of his mother's from back in the day and kind of gave him a hookup, even though he didn't even have the money to pay for it. So she gave him something, you know, to work with. But even then, he didn't have the, the nerve or the desire to kill Bishop. He threw the gun away. Yeah, he had a conscience, and he's like, yeah, he didn't even want to do it. You know, he's like, you know what? I know he's after me, but this is not me. Just threw the gun in the river. You know, that just speaks to even his character, even in the face of danger. He doesn't even want to do the wrong thing to, even if it means that's what he has to do to protect himself. He didn't didn't even want to do it. Yeah, he dodged a lot of bullets from Bishop and chase being chased away, and they end up on the rooftop, and then. There's a very, you know, the climatic end where they're struggling, battling, battling back and forth and punching. And then um, ends up that Bishop ends up flipped over the building, hanging on to, to Q's arm after the long battle. And then the fall of Bishop. Excellent movie. I mean, I was just enthralled by it. I loved it. I love the music. I loved it. The action, the acting was, was on point. Yeah. Yeah. Some of my, my favorite songs of that era came out of this movie. You know, obviously, the Know the Ledge, Uptown Anthem. Oh, that's my song. Especially 
growing up in the same area as those guys, as Naughty by Nature, when Uptown Anthem came out, <laughs> the, the streets went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Neff Respect, arguably one of the best lyricists ever, Big Daddy Kane, you know, Don't Be Afraid, classic R&B, um, New Jack Swing song from Aaron Hall. And then speaking of New Jack Swing, you got the godfather of New Jack Swing, Teddy Riley with Is It Good To You featuring Tammy Lucas. Those songs right there, man, that's that's definitive, like, 90s in the area, you know, growing up in that area. Oh, man. <laughs> this, this this soundtrack and, like you said, that, that New York backdrop, you know, just classic cinematography from the master cinematographer, <laughs> Ernest Dickinson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Cypress Hill uh, was a great uh, use of their songs. I oh, think yeah. it was the, the Funky Feel one where How I Could Just Kill a Man uh, and Shoot Him Up. So Cypress Hill was prominent on that as well. And that yeah. elevator scene, which was really, really well done also. Yeah, Shoot Him Up, yeah. Elevator scene. Okay. Great scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that whole scene right there, speaking of elevator scene, <laughs> When, when when they were struggling over the gun in the elevator and the gun drops and the guy casually slides down and picks it up and hides it. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> you know, that, that, just that little snippet right there is like, man. And that's just how it goes too, man. Nobody knows. That gun is probably going to do all kinds of craziness past what we see in Juice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there were some some things that uh I questioned though. There was like you mentioned the couple that scene where Q buys a gun from the, the woman, her name's Sweets. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Are you Lorraine Powell's son? <laughs> Tell her Jackie said hi. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Wait a second. First of all, it's like you're a gun runner, you're doing illegal things, and it's like you 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 know this family, you have an affinity for this child. It's like you're gonna just give them a gun without kind of saying hey, you know, you in some trouble? Can I help you? Or would she be talking to the mother? Or literally, you, you want him to say hello? <laughs> Listen, I saw your friend uh, got me this gun. Like, I, it was kind of like, didn't make co- kind of sense to me. I understand, you know, there's a connection, you know, but it was kind of odd yeah, for me. I, I've seen crazier stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you tell her, say hi. You gotta compartmentalize that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> that, that whole thing is crazy, right? The whole thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm picking nits, as they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but I, I saw it, it doesn't even. Yeah. So like that whole scene, like I've seen like instances where questionable behavior is coming to play. There's dynamics where for a bar, for instance, like. You know, people running bars. Okay, you know what? You're not supposed to be here, but hey, you know what? Come on in. Because <laughs> I know I know your father. I know your uncle. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I've seen similar, like, questionable things where it's like, yeah, would you really, should you really be doing that because you know my parents or that uncle or whatever? Or should you call them and say, hey, get your kids over here. You know, you might want to <laughs> keep an yeah. eye on them. Yeah, that's true. It just to, to this extent kind of caught me off guard. Like, okay. yeah. There's another thing where it was kind of interesting where Yolanda, who's a divorcee, there's that scene where Q comes in to, to see her. The, I guess the fut- the ex-husband or future ex-husband Frank is there. That scene was almost like a non sequitur. Like, it didn't feel like it belonged. It was kind of like, where are we now? What is this going on? And then I'm thinking, 
she's got an established career working in a hospital. I'm like, why is she doing messing with a high school, a high schooler yeah. that's hanging out with this crew? Yep, a little cringy. Yeah, like okay, I yeah. don't see him as her type, but hey, he's a good-looking young kid. <laughs> yeah, to each his own, to each her own, you know. Yeah, I remember when I became when I first became aware of that dynamic as a as a kid. Yeah, that's 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 Cindy from In Vogue. So it's yeah. like, hey. Exactly. Then as I got older, I'm like, wait a minute, she's a she's working in a hospital, which means she's a, she's an adult, and he's in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Frank looks like he's like thirty five years old too. I'm like, that's just weird. Yeah, there's but, all sorts of age. Yeah, it's an age, 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 stuff. age dynamics that yeah. are messed up. Yeah. A little cringy. A little cringy. Yeah. Other thing I kind of question, I know these guys are amateur stick-up artists and stuff, but like I'm like, why do why do they stick up Quillis? He knew their voices and their profiles because they were in that store a lot. I mean, they knew because they 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 knew the layout of the store. They knew that they could probably be successful. But man, if that went wrong, whatever, they they could have got caught. They could have got caught easily. Like I, I think a more seasoned criminals would probably go a few blocks down, maybe scope something else out, not in your neck of the woods, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You don't you don't mess mess where you eat at. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, they they were definitely yeah they were definitely were, shouldn't have been in their own neighborhood, but I guess they figured that yeah he was old and if they flashed a gun he wouldn't do anything, which he didn't do anything, you know he didn't do anything, but yeah yeah, yeah he was praying and said no please don't shoot me I think you're speaking Spanish, and the other thing that was kind of amateurish or quite amateurish was the way Bishop hid that gun after. Was it? I think it was maybe after he shot Raheem. Oh, and then yeah. Running away, he's like, "Let me just lift up this rock and put it here." Rock and put it in the center block. I'm like, "That's Over. a poor hiding spot." I mean, that's gonna be found. And I don't recall if he had gloves or not. But man, your fingerprints are on the rock. Your fingerprints are probably on the gun, and you know they could trace it back. There's probably that's where he was. His blood on the scene. I'm like, man, this is. It'll yeah. come back to get him. Yeah. Especially when it's a crime scene investigation with Raheem being shot. Yeah. I think there wasn't time in the movie for this to happen, but if you had gone through some forensics or ballistics, you would have figured out the bullets from Keyless and Raheem are the same, right? And then someone investigating might be able to piece the story together. So maybe like if this movie was another 20 minutes, that would have happened. But I've been watching them. I was like, you know, someone could figure this out if they like tried to figure it out. But yeah. Yeah, they were he wasn't they weren't hiding like Bishop was not very secretive about his intentions. When they first when he first brought a gun into the crew, it was like they were loud on the streets talking about the gun. They were kind of talking who should have it, who should own it. And I'm like, they're just being loud on the street all about this gun. Police are everywhere. I mean, they were not being cautious. And I even think in that locker scene, it was almost like Bishop in, uh, incriminated himself. I think he was saying something about. Yeah, I did it. I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. You said I was crazy before, yeah. and I was mad about it. But you know what? I am. Yeah, that I was. Am. I'm crazy, and then I was like, yeah. oh, cuckoo. Yeah, but uh, it, it was wild. I, it was it was really well done. Yeah, definitely. Had to, you know, keep you on the edge of your seat a little bit too. Once it picks up, yeah, you don't know where you don't know what's going to happen. And especially after Raheem was killed early in the movie, you're like, oh, 
anybody can can go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The stakes got much higher then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the gun was symbolic. That was like, if you remember reading in middle school or high school, like the Lord of the Flies, it's like whoever has that conch, the conch shell. <laughs> it's like I, whoever had that gun kind of wields the power. And I think once Bishop killed Raheem and he's like, all right, I got the power. I could, you know, I could do, you know, I, I'm above the law pretty much. I could do what I want. You mess, you mess with me. I got, I got the power here. This is my, my right hand man. This is gun here. Yep. Yeah, definitely a parallel. I like that. I like that between the conch shell and the gun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was researching this a little bit more. Did you guys realize there's an alternate ending that yes. was put out? Yeah, you, you heard you heard that buggy. Yeah, yeah, I have it on. I saved it on my phone, like probably a few weeks ago. Yeah, I came across it. That was the first time I heard about it, though. After all of these years, yeah. I just heard about it like maybe like a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was fascinating because, as I mentioned, there's a struggle between Q and Bishop, where Bishop's hanging off the ledge and the hand kind of slips. But the alternate ending, and I think this may have been the original ending, which they wanted to do, was while he's hanging, he Bishop hears the sirens below. And he literally says something like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not dealing with the cops or I'm not going to live in prison. Like, and he uh, of his own volition decides to let go. Mm -hmm. So he had, he still had the power of the juice. Like he kind of controlled his own destiny. From what I understand, I saw an interview with uh, the guy that played Raheem. And he said there was these focus groups before it went out and they decided against that they didn't want the villain to have the last word or the last say and controls on destiny so they changed that out tupac was very upset with that and yeah, he said can that. i you know they wanted him to do that little scream at the end and he's like can i do a half-hearted scream and he's like ernest Dickerson's like sure give me a half-hearted scream so still a wonderful powerful movie and the end work but i think that other ending would have been even more powerful for those that are listening, you might want to look that up. It's it's out on YouTube, but we we can put it in the show notes. The alternate ending. Yeah, I could. And that's very on brand for Tupac to to want to go out on his own terms. That yeah. that fits right with his image at the time. To want to control his destiny, say, hey, you know what? This is my, if I don't go out. I don't want to go out on my terms. Yeah, absolutely. I could see why he would not want to. He would have preferred to have it in an alternate version. Yeah, I mean, just to give. Kudos once again to Tupac, uh, the late Tupac with his acting. I mean, as you said, Donna Wright, like anti-hero is like, he's so darn charismatic. And that speech that he gave to the crew when he was, after he's watching uh, White Heat and those guys, and I was like, whoa, he was just pulling out some some crazy rhetoric. Like, it's like, you got to get the ground beneath your feet, partner, and go out <laughs> And a blaze if you have to. And it's like, well, it's like you almost want to run through a wall. Like, it's like yeah. he should be given like Super Bowl halftime speeches or something because, man, he gets you fired up. And you're like, you know that that's not right. You should be doing that. But the way he presented that, it's like, wow, he blew your rally, mind. Rally the troops speech right yeah. there. Yeah. Rush out into the open meadow for open combat. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. He's like, I'm just tired of running from everybody, from Ramadis, from Quiles, from the cops, and you got to 
you know, let them MFers go, you know, and he's just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just speaking that rhetoric. What did y'all think of Samuel Jackson in this movie? Trip. Uh, <laughs> trip. So good. Yo, the one the one part that I always love is <laughs> with him in it is when um Hugh goes to audition and he's coming out and him and him and Queen Latifah are having a, you know their little dialogue and she's like, Yeah, you know, I really like his style, you know. What's your name? He's like Q, you know, like G, you know, Quincy been calling me GQ. Oh, GQ, yeah. And he's walking away and he's got that bop, like, yeah, I made it. And Tripp is standing out there talking to somebody. He's like, hey, I heard you. You made it to the contest. And Q's like, I just walked out. How'd you know that? He's like, hey, you know, I ate. <laughs> like, I hear everything. <laughs> but it's like, how the heck could he possibly know? <laughs> because he had just walked out. But that part always makes me laugh because it's so funny. Because that's how um, people in, in Tripp's position to run that the pool hall and where the game and everything is. That you hear everything in that situation, whether you want to or not, because everybody converges on that spot. So you you get an ear to everything. So he probably there's so many stories that he could probably tell. They could make it probably a movie just off of his character and the stories that he's heard from running that establishment. <laughs> be like a good prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's either the, was he the owner of the billiards parlor or the, at least work work there. But yeah, there was the one line, and I had to look it up because he's so wise. Like you said, he knows he knows everything that happens. Trip was like, "Thought you'd be looking for transportation out of town by now." He says it's the queue. He's like, "Trip, man, you got to tell you what's going on." He goes, "Trip's like, you done slid down a razor blade and landed in an alcohol river. Word is, you killed Raheem and Quillis and Radamus." Mm-hmm. He was like, "That's BS, man. You know me better than that." He's like, "Trip's like, I don't know that." And she was like, come on, Trip, you know me since I was a kid. She was like, I know a lot of killers since they was kids. <laughs> yeah. That's some good dialogue. Yeah. That was some great dialogue right there. Yeah. And it's true. It's so true. I mean, look at look at Bishop. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> you know, he killed killed his best friend, attempted to kill the two two other ones. <laughs> yeah. I'm Those sure Trip has seen things. Yeah, his best friends. You know, killed his best friend and tried to kill the two other ones. And they probably, who knows how long they've known each other. You know, they probably grew up together. They probably, you know, elementary school up or whatever. For whatever reason, though, you know, you never know with, with people sometimes. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, these could be good kids and they go astray because they get yeah. into the scene. Just like above the rim, Kyle, right? I mean, great kid, got a head on his shoulders. And he was started hanging out with Birdie, who was Tupac's character. And that could have ended very poorly for him, you know. Um, it did end poorly for the other, you know, obviously for Birdie and for other folks there. But yeah. these could be good kids. And they just get tied up in this wrong crowd or wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, look at Ricky. From Boys in the yeah, Hood. Exactly. It's a common theme. Yeah. <laughs> Could it be made today? What do you guys think? I mean, this is the age of clout chasing. <laughs> Social media previewing things, you know, people posting stuff and wanting attention. And I think it absolutely could. I mean, it would probably be a little different due to the 
technology that exists right now, but I think it absolutely could be made today. I think that's an interesting idea. The, the, combine this movie with cloud chasing and influencing and, you know, you, you hear about people who live stream their mass shootings and stuff. It's like yeah. terrible, but people think this is a thing that they should do. And I, I could see Bishop wanting to have juice plus notoriety through social media. I agree. It definitely could be made today with some more modernization. Yeah. I mean, even now to the alternate scene, you know, he's hanging off and you got people with their cameras and he's looking at the cameras like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go out like I'm going to go out on my terms with all of these views, you know, streaming in right live streaming right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We already talked about the music, which was excellent. This is one of the best soundtracks of all time for a hip hop theme movie. Yeah. Let's give it our final rating then. Boogie, uh, bring that funky flick back. Bring that funky flick back. We'll leave it in the vault. Bring that funky flick back. Classic. (laughs) Done all right. Bring that funky flick back. And I'm with you. Without a doubt, bring that funky flick back. Go watch this one. Check it out. Listeners, check it out. It's a good movie. (laughs) Very good movie. You got to choose now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that line. Oh my God, I forgot the, that line. You got to use now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hip Hop Movie Club is produced by your HHMCs, JB, Boogie, and Dino Wright. Theme music by Boogie. Check us out on TikTok and Instagram at Hip Hop Movie Club. On the next episode of the Hip Hop Movie Club podcast, your HHMCs will review New Jack City. It drops in two weeks. Subscribe today in your favorite podcast app and you won't miss it. Watch that movie. You get about two-week lead time and then uh, listen to it. Give us some comments uh, on our social media or email us. Shout out to your listeners. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, don't hate, communicate. Communication is always key. That's right. Very key. They probably should have communicated more with the crew. Oh, for sure. Talk about their feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's some more communication. Bishop's, your behavior could have been averted. (laughs) (laughs) Intervention. Bishop wasn't trying to hear any of that, though. No, he wasn't. (laughs) No, he wasn't. (laughs) He wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, like when Steel was crying, he's like, man, get over it, man. You know? Nah, he was trying to go out with Blizzard, the blaze of glory. Yeah. (laughs) Blizzard. He had those issues. Shout out to Bejeweled. Thanks for your support all the way out in the Green Mountain State. Shout out to Brain Freeze Trivia in the Lehigh Valley. Check out the Instagram Brain underscore freeze underscore trivia double underscore time. That's brain freeze trivia time on Instagram.